Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Uh, so we have a very exciting guest today. Most of you will know who he is, and we'll jump into introductions in just a moment. But how are you doing today, Florin? Sydney, I'm doing really good. It's super excited to be here. It's a great topic. Yeah. Awesome. Pumped to talk about some emails. Well, I'm super excited too. I mean, I, I love the content that you share online and I can't wait to jump into this live in person. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining. I can promise you're going to walk away with a ton of really tactical information about things that are working right now. So that's awesome. Um, topic of our show today, we're going to be talking about old email frameworks and sequences and copywriting, just like all the components of crafting really effective cold outreach over email. And at the end, we're also going to talk about how to put it all together into a sequence. So that's going to be great, too. Um, first, if you can let us know in the chat where you're tuning in from. Um, also, if you want to change your chat settings from hosts and panelists to everyone so we can see it, that would be great. Um, where are you based again, Florin? I'm in Toronto, in Canada. Toronto. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm in Miami. We got Denver, Minneapolis, Israel, Delaware, Boston. Des Moines. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining. Super excited to jump in here today. Um, my guest today really knows, needs no introduction, but I'm going to introduce him anyway. We have Florin Tatulia. He's the director of sales at Barley. He has built out multiple courses on this topic, one we're going to talk about at the end. He also has guided many, many outbound teams to success over the years. If you follow him on LinkedIn, you know he posts some of the best, most actionable content with regards to your outbound. So safe to say you're in good hands today. One quick thing I wanted to ask you before we jump in, Florin, I know it's not the topic of today's show, but people are going to be asking about it. How do you feel about AI when it comes to emailing and kind of the place it has in our skill development and strategy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think obviously it's going to be more and more important. And there's so many different tools that are are helping salespeople now. But if I hadn't I, one message for today and a lot of the the things that I talk about, whether it's like in my course or, or in workshops, I think a lot of people and even webinars like these are focused on flashy things like how is AI going to be incorporated in email? Uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I think that's super important. But I, I think at the end of the idea, the, the way that I like to say it is that if your messaging and your copywriting sucks, uh, AI is just going to help you suck at scale. Uh, so let's really focus on the, the fundamentals of copywriting and what it actually means to appeal to like the human mind. And if, if you can do that, and we'll talk through the 10 laws of copywriting and why I always start my workshops with that, because I do believe the fundamentals are so important. So um, this specific webinar is not going to be focused too much on AI itself. I'm using AI in different ways to find like triggers and fill out certain variables in emails where I no longer have to do that manually anymore, but it's the fundamentals that matter more than that. Amazing. Yeah, we definitely do not want to suck at scale. So that's the importance of calls like these. So thank you for calling that out. Um, also, a special thank you to our partner, Zoom Info, for helping make this show possible. So today we're talking about the importance of cold email, um, but you also know that multi-channel approaches are really effective in conducting your outbound. So we wanted to share a resource from Zoom Info to help you with your cold calling as well, you know, using intent data to help turn those cold calls into warm calls. So be sure to check that out in the chat. That'll help supercharge your email outreach as well. Um, and then if you can't get enough of the cold email content, be sure to tune in tomorrow as well. We have another great email focused show with Brian LaMana and Justin Chi. 
they're going to help you learn more about personalizing at scale and specific messaging that's working for them. So between this one and the one tomorrow, you're going to be absolutely set with your email game. Um, otherwise, be sure to check out our YouTube. We have lots of tactical deep dives, on-demand shows, stuff like that. A lot of value there. So as we're jumping into our agenda, we'd really love to know who is in the room today. Are you an SDR? Are you an AE? Are you a frontline manager? Let us know in the poll or in the chat. We would love to hear more. It can kind of help us guide where we focus our conversation. Um, but if you kick things we're going to focus today, Florin already mentioned this, but we're going to talk about the copywriting fundamentals, how to get your prospects interested, how to make sure you're framing your messaging in a way that's going to resonate. Then we're going to talk about cold email frameworks that are working really well right now. Um, and then key components to a high converting cold email sequence. So basically, how do we put all of this together with the rest of our channels to form a way that really will convert? And I just want to say before we jump into the different slides, Florin has been amazing and he brought a ton of really actionable screenshots and examples and slides. And they're all going to be super valuable, but I don't want you to be too worried about trying to write them all down or, you know, not sure where they are. Um, you're going to get a recording of this tomorrow. So I'd say just be engaged, put your questions in the chat because we're going to have some time at the end. Make sure you're following along. And then tomorrow you'll get the recording and you can do all your screenshots and everything from there. So yeah, again, if you can let us know um, who's in the room here, looks like SDRs have an early lead. Curious if we got some BDRs coming up. Um, but yeah, just jumping into it, Florin, the 10 laws of copywriting, you mentioned it briefly, but what importance does copywriting have in your cold email outreach? How do you kind of approach it in general and why should people be really focused on copywriting? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think copywriting is the one fundamental skill that uh, everybody should have. It teaches you uh, how to actually talk to somebody, how to, like I mentioned earlier, appeal to that human mind and really builds the basis for all your messaging, whether that is going to be an email, whether that's going to be something on uh, a LinkedIn DM or even to like really build out your cold call scripts, right? So these are the 10 laws that uh, I didn't invent them myself. I got them from Dave uh, Gearhart, but we're not going to focus on all of them today. So uh, I do have a few that we can go through um, that I want to call out specifically. Perfect. Yeah. Let's jump into those specific ones. So the first one we talked about here was about telling a great story. Can we jump into this? What do you mean by like the current state and the ideal state? And folks, we have a lot of examples to come of how to use this, but Lauren, if you could give us an intro to this one, that would be awesome. Yeah. And before actually going into the current and ideal state, I think one thing I want to say here about telling a great story, and again, I'm going to keep saying this, but appealing to the, like, the human mind and human psychology. So if you think about it, humans, uh, we learn pretty much through through stories throughout all time, right? That's why uh, you know, religion has its place. That's why mythology has its place. All these ideas that get communicated to us over time have been told through uh, stories. And, and that's what we've done really well throughout history. So the question for me has always been, how do you take storytelling and bring it into something like a cold email where you only have uh, a few sentences to do that, right? Because we don't have time to set up like character development, do a beginning, a middle end, have a climax, all that kind of stuff. But what you can do is have these two states. So the current state is uh, being able to resonate with your prospect and show them that you understand what uh, their current state looks like and, and then calling out what the problem is with that current state. And then there's another sentence where you focus on uh, the future state. So what does the, the future state actually look like for them and how does your solution actually tie into that? So going to the next slide here, 
I am so sorry. I lost my mouse. Okay, there we go. No worries. So a, a few like tactical tips for telling a great story in email. Uh, the first one is using descriptive and uh, emotionally charged language. Uh, I think Josh Braun had like a really good sentence. Uh, he's like, there was something in an email like sipping peanut butter through a straw. So think about being able to describe like something being really difficult to do and using that type of language in an email. It just stands out compared to the standard boring type of text that we usually have uh, in emails. Other things that really help uh, the imagination is using words like, you know, imagine or what if and being able to have that person place themselves in a specific situation. And I think storytellers do this really well. The third one, uh, using relevant memes that are uh, popular at the time. This is something that's worked really well for me and uh, an image can tell a story in itself. And I'll, I'll even show you an example of something that I've done in the in the past. One thing that I was even thinking about today, actually, there's like the meme circulating right now with Travis Kelsey, like yelling at his coach. So you can have some kind of a caption there that's super relevant. This literally just happened on Sunday and uh, it's going to catch people's attention. So what what are those like relevant pop culture type stuff that are happening right now that most people or your persona is probably going to identify with? I think that's a really awesome thing to do. And then using different anecdotes uh, in your emails to convey some kind of a message. And I actually, I brought you all three examples that I've uh, come up with or, or either like used in the past that we can go through here. And the great thing is, I, I think a lot of people focus on uh, em like a first email in a sequence. I think the good thing about all of these is that they don't have to be first emails. They could even be bump up emails. Uh, it's mm -hmm. easy to do these at scale. Uh, without having to customize each one, but you're still conveying a good message. So let's actually go through some examples. Yeah, absolutely. Just before I do that, we did get the results of our poll. It looks like we have almost an exact split of SDRs and AEs. They're each making it up about a third of the call. And then we do also have some frontline managers and a decent amount of senior leadership too. So it looks like people looking to guide their teams to more success through their email outreach. So definitely important for us to focus on. Um, and then I... I love the drinking the peanut butter through a straw example. Like I've literally been thinking about that since you said it. It's like, wow, that that like forms such a strong visual in my mind. Um, so yeah, it's super, super impactful thinking about when we're doing our outreach, um, making sure that it's going to bring some sort of a more like emotional picture or response to the prospect's brain than just like, hey, I can get you 47x yeah. ROI, you know? So I, I love that example. Um, but yeah, if we can jump into this first example here. Yeah, so this is an email I just imagine I was like a SDR or an AE at Gong. I just thought about this. Q1 quarter end is coming up in like a month and a half. So if I'm at Gong, like this is probably a great email that I can send to a sales leader uh, right at the end of the quarter. So remember, I, I started using like descriptive language and then here I'm also uh, sharing a bit of an anecdote. So it's like, imagine this, it's March 31st, your sales rep was 100% convinced, uh, convinced that a deal was gonna come through. It's 11 p.m. Things don't look good. You know, what happened? And as a sales leader, I can tell you that this is definitely something that resonates uh, with me. And it, it just like tells this story. And then there's also a screenshot here, an image of uh, some warnings that you get in Gong, which is conveying like the future state quite well, right? So uh, this is telling a story and there's it's multiple facets here, but there's a current state, there's the future state. You know, Gong gives you visibility and line of sight into every deal so that there are no surprises. So this is just- I think I'll say, 
Yeah, I'm so sorry. Something else I really like about this email is you are inviting them to imagine something, but you're also not making them do a ton of work. So you're showing yeah. them what that's going to look like. Like, imagine if this was your situation with this solution instead of just like, imagine if this could be fixed. You'd be like, oh, that's great. But like, how? So that um, yeah. imagery is super powerful, too. Yeah. And the, the important thing here is like, you really have to understand your buyer. So what is that current state that you know all of your buyers are going through, likely, and can you hit the timing perfectly well, like at the end of the quarter? That's why I think this email, I don't know if anyone at Gong actually has used this email, but if you sell in a similar industry, feel free to try it out. I'd be curious to hear about it. Yeah, love it. All right, we've got another great example here um, coming right up. But as we go along, folks, if you have any questions, be sure to put them in the Q&A. We're going to save a few minutes at the end to run through, through a few of those. Yeah. So this is another one I talked about relevant memes at the time. Uh, this was an email that did really well. It was actually a bump up email in a sequence. So it doesn't have to be necessarily first email, as I mentioned. At the time, that whole thing with the Suez Canal was happening. I think it was like 2021. I, I don't remember exactly. But you pretty much convey the current state with a meme that's relevant at the time. And then all you have to do with the ideal state is one quick sentence that focuses on, in this case, we were selling like a request for proposal response software and automation. So days to hours, and then did a little bit of a pun with like a boatload of things. So this got a ton of responses again, because it's super simple. Like you are doing the work for them and showing them that you understand that pain of the current state. And it's a little bit playful as well. We had a question come through in the chat asking about images and if that's going to hurt your deliverability. Is that a concern for you here? Um, so it's definitely a concern if you're doing this like at large scale. Uh, what I typically like to do with images is use them in a like a second email once your first email has already been delivered into the primary inbox. I personally have not seen an issue with sending these types of emails as a second step. And as you can see here, uh, these are, uh, they're templated, right? So you can send this automatically. You don't have to sit there and like send each one and customize them necessarily. Okay. Perfect. We have one more example here. Um, if you can walk us through it. Yeah. And this is another one that could, can be a bump up. So this is like conveying, uh, at Barley, we sell like a compensation management platform that helps with uh, one thing that we help with is pay transparency regulation, which is a really hot topic over the last like year or so. So again, uh, a templated email, you don't have to be super personal, but you're hitting something at a pain point at the right time where we're talking about how there's this like growing trend in transparency and what employees are demanding. So mentioning that there's like a, this TikTok account that I found that is focused on going on the street and talking to people about their salaries and trying to show them that there's a shift in their world and why they should care about it. So, what I, sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say what I love about this too is like the focus on finding memes and pop culture references and trending TikTok accounts. Like, I know it feels so daunting to do outreach and prospecting, but it can be fun, you know, like. I've noticed I start to like look for like memes for my outreach and everything. Like I'll see something funny in like a TV show or a live sports broadcast. I'm like, oh, that would be funny for this. So I don't know if that happens to you too, Florin, but like I, I find that it kind of changes the way I approach things and I think it makes it more fun. 100%. Yeah, it doesn't have to be boring. And uh, I, I know it's obvious, but everyone's even a senior vice president or executive, like they're, they're humans too. They 
Uh, not sure they all necessarily have like TikTok, but they all, you know, maybe watch the Super Bowl or uh, care about this stuff too. So make it. Yeah. Fun. How many of you sent a Super Bowl related meme this week? Throw one in the chat if you did. We'd love to hear about that. <laughs> um, all right. Actually, we have one more poll I was really curious about from everybody because I know that some orgs are really focusing on helping with copywriting and that's like a really big focus for their reps and some aren't so much. So if you could let us know in the chat or in our poll, how focused are you on honing your copywriting skills when it comes to your cold outreach? Um, and as people are answering that, Florian, if we could jump into law number eight and can we talk a little bit about subject lines? Yeah, so obviously nailing the subject line is is extremely important because if you don't get the open, then uh, no matter how good the body of your email is, then it's not really going to matter. Now, tactically speaking, there's been two types of subject lines that have done really well for me. The first one with calling out direct reports by name and provoking a cost of inaction has actually gotten me uh, up to like 90% opens across like a few hundred emails that that I've tested. Here, Here's one example that we used. So for some context, at my last company, Plato, we were selling uh, an engineering mentorship platform that ultimately helped with uh, retention. So one thing that I would do when I would go to the VP of engineering, I would actually find two engineering managers on their team on LinkedIn, and then I'd call them out by name and then provoke the cost of inaction, which was them potentially leaving if they didn't have uh, the professional development or support they needed at the organization. So what happens if Ryan and uh, Kareen leave? And this was would get like insane amounts of, of opens because it's like, what is this person talking about? You're calling out somebody on their team. Uh, and you can do this pretty much with any type of uh, solution that you're selling. So if you're selling you know, something that helps with SDR RAM time, reach out to an SDR manager and call out two uh, SDRs that recently joined their teams. Like, hey, helping Sydney and Florin uh, ramp up. So uh, this is like a little bit more manual. I think in terms of AI, where AI comes into play here with tools like Play, for example, you're actually able to scrape LinkedIn, find two specific people by name and pull it in automatically into a list, upload it to your sales engagement platform. So this is the type of stuff now in 2024 where you don't even have to do this manually, but it looks like you're actually doing that research one-to-one. That's amazing. And what I love about this one too, is you're utilizing the other, you know, you're also telling a story. You're also inviting some emotional reaction. Somebody's going to read this, be like, oh no, like I don't want Ryan or Curtin to leave. Like, let me look at this and see what he's talking about. So I can really see the power of what you were talking about before with storytelling combined yeah. with this. Um, and I know we put a drop in the chat as well for people to access, you know, the rest of the 10 laws of copywriting. I would highly invite you to check that out as well. After this, we want you to stay here for now. Um, but you can see just how powerful it is. So from our responses, it looks like um, close to 40 to 50% are only here and there or like rarely or never focusing on those copywriting skills. So that's say, um, I think it could have a pretty big impact on your outbound and the results that you're getting if you bump that up a little bit. What would you say about that, Florian? Yeah, I think it's one of the most important things. And uh, there's a quote that writing is thinking. And that's why I actually like to make my first step in a sequence, which we'll get into later, an email, because it causes you to think through like why you're reaching out to somebody. And it could also help you set up what your call script is going to look like. So you're setting the basis of your whole sequence 
by writing things down and thinking through it. So looking back on my career now in sales, it's roughly been close to a decade. I think the, one of the first things I would have learned was, was copywriting for sure. Okay. I love that. Um, and for those of you who said that you're working on copywriting a ton, um, if you want to let us know in the chat as well, any favorite resources or tips or anything that you have, that's super helpful too. But Florian, I'd like to jump into cold email frameworks in general. And we've alluded to a lot of these components with the subject line and the storytelling, but you give us a really good slide here that kind of breaks down the different sentences, how to formulate those. So all of you who are here, like this can apply to what you're selling as well. Um, if you could walk us through each of these briefly and just kind of how people should be thinking about them. Yeah. So this is the the standard cold email framework that, um, you know, I, I teach like in my workshops and in my, my course. Some of the uh, emails that I showed you earlier don't necessarily follow like this specific framework to a T, but I wanted to like switch it up a little bit. I don't think this framework is revolutionary to uh, most people because a lot of people in the space that create content have a similar idea in mind. But uh, this is how I generally think about that first email that I sent in a sequence or like the first email in a thread. So first thing that's most important, like I don't even necessarily focus on one-to-one personalization, like, oh, notice you like golf or like all this kind of stuff. You can, and you can build an analogy out of it. It's just very time consuming and volume still does matter quite a bit. So how do you automate more of this? I think the most important thing is being more relevant to this specific persona. So finding the trigger. And a lot of teams actually have trouble with this, like figuring out what is a trigger or an observation about a certain type of an account that we can call out that we know our solution can help with. Um, I can even- Do you have uh, any particular favorite triggers, like a funding trigger or something like that that can- yeah, So those are the things. Like, triggers are so dependent on your solution and your industry. Uh, for example, if I'm selling like a cybersecurity type of software, uh, a great trigger is probably some form of cyber attack that happened where you can tie like how that's going to be a potential issue for uh, a CISO if they don't use your solution. Uh, funding is like the most common trigger of all time. I hate the, I hate using funding as just like a call out, like, hey, noticed you uh, raised a 30 million series B and then going into like your solution. I think there needs, you need to tie that better. So what I like to do there, if I do see that somebody raised around, go read the CEO or the founder statement as to what they're doing with those funds specifically, and then try to tie whatever they said in that funding announcement. Maybe for example, it's like we're building a new product or we're expanding into uh, Europe. And that means that, and if your solution can help with the expansion into a new territory, then you can tie that together. And that becomes a very relevant email that's going to get a higher response. Gotcha. Yeah, that that's super important. But I like what you said before about like a cybersecurity threat, for example, because that's something that could be spread to a lot more people, right? Like if it's a threat to one, it's a threat to all, whereas the funding would require a lot more like individual reading and research. So that that's a really helpful like scale tip for sure. Yeah. And then so uh, if you actually go back, like uh, that email that I had for... Kareen and Ryan pretty much follows this uh, framework quite well. So just to like give you all an example in writing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yep. 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 I got it here. Right. So you have the context, like the, the trigger here for me. What I actually noticed with uh, 
Butler was that their engineering team headcount was actually decreasing compared to the rest of their company. So that's what I mean by like a trigger, right? That is going to gonna catch somebody's attention. Then I went to the current, then the ideal state. I actually could have done a better job of like telling it more as a narrative here. Uh, so that's just like a call out for myself. The other thing to mention, call to actions. I think this is a pretty standard pretty standard knowledge now, but being more soft, like, you know, interested in doing the same. Is this worth exploring? Is this on your radar for 2024? And then the PS. So the PS for me is where I like to go one-to-one personalization, mm-hmm. especially for like my tier A accounts or accounts where I want to spend more time to actually do research and try to break through the noise. So for example, uh, Butler very publicly has like a website where he like tracks all uh, his days of sobriety. So just like calling that out specifically in the PS where maybe this would look a little bit wonky as me trying to like somehow tie it into the body of the email. I actually just do that in the PS, which is almost like a separate uh, like mini email in itself. You're breaking from the, the relevant topic that you're covering. I really love that distinction there because I think a lot of times people want to, even if they have an email that's relevant, they want to show that they've done their research and it's going to be personalized, but like trying to shove like, oh yeah, and I also saw you went to XYZ school and there doesn't really make a lot of sense. So having that PS at the end is its own separate like personality adding thing. That makes a ton of sense. Um, We have a few more examples I'd love to go through here because I think you're doing a really great job of describing like each section and kind of how to approach those. Um, Something we have here is um, two separate emails addressed to different levels of decision makers. So we have a below the line email and above the line email I want to jump into. But just in case someone here doesn't know that terminology, can you just clarify what that means quickly? Yeah, and I still think this is a big miss for a lot of teams. Uh, People just tend to have like a persona based uh, sequence. I I actually like to segment sequences per account into above and below the line. So mm-hmm. the line is referring to like the decision-making line in a company. So typically people above the line are going to be executives like C-suite or VPs. Uh, and then people below the line, depending on the size of the company, is usually like an individual contributor or a manager uh, or like even a director. I think that line changes depending on the size of the company, as I mentioned. So like large enterprise companies, it's likely that a director that could have hundreds of people under them and actually has their own departmental budget. So maybe they're considered above the line. But generally speaking, uh, people below the line care about their specific team and like the day-to-day problems. So they get more in the weeds where you can go deeper into uh, their specific problems where people above the line, uh, they care more about overall business impact. And even a lot of their compensation package is actually based off of them hitting cer- certain OKRs or like uh, goals for that specific year, especially the, in public companies. And those for public companies specifically, that's usually in earnings calls or like the 10K transcripts. You can see what these executives like have to move the needle on. Okay, perfect. Thank you for that explanation. So we're going to jump into one that's below the line. So somebody's maybe a little bit more involved in the day to day and the things that they care about. Um, and everyone, you'll see that the same themes from that like email like template that's working well is going to be in here. So let's jump in here. Um, can we start off with that subject line quickly? Yeah, sure. So uh, here I, I just focused on 
if you go back, you don't have to go back to it, but the other subject line that works really well is actually just calling out a specific like topic uh, or issue that a team deals with at any given time. So for example, one thing that happened uh, recently in my space was that paid transparency legislation uh, came into effect November 1st in the province of British Columbia. So this is a topic that every HR team has to think about in that region. So what I did here, I built a sequence where I reached out to people below the line. So like an HR coordinator or a generalist. Uh, and then the subject line was just pay transparency November. Like they're thinking about it, likely going to get a high open, which it did. It was like 50 or 60% uh, for per email is not, is pretty decent. Then, so below the line here, I'm not actually necessarily trying to book a meeting with this person. This is where I'm trying to collect insights from people. So what I would do here is I would reach out to like a generalist and be like, hey, I'm actually going to reach out to your VP and call them out by name, but I wanted to make sure I knew my stuff first. And then just trying to get answers from people is like, how are you dealing with this internally? Like, do you already have a system in place? Do you have salary bands? And then just asking them, is, is this something on your radar? So here, this is where I collect those insights and actually get some kind of information about their current state that then I can go to the uh, VP uh, with for a more personal type of, of message. I think that's a really important distinction there too, that the goal of every cold email, it's not going to be the same, just like the goal of every cold call might not be the same. So understanding who you're reaching out to, what sort of information you can get from them, um, what that CTA should be, and then how you're going to use that information for something else. That's really important in your strategy. So I appreciate you showing us kind of how that works. I'd like to jump into this above the line email now. So maybe you've sent this, maybe you've gotten some context, maybe not, but now you're reaching out to one of those more senior people who's got their eye on the bigger picture. Let's take a look at what that looks like. Yeah, so here, uh, this one, I'm actually not using a specific insight. Like maybe I'm even sending this to the VP at the same time, but here I'm focusing on like uh, a specific problem or like something that I'm hearing from a lot of HR leaders. And this is, this is where you let your customers uh, build your messaging to some degree. And that's where like that current state line comes in in that, in that second sentence. You know, one of the most common things I'm hearing from HR leaders, and I know this because like I've been talking to HR leaders every day, is that they either don't have updated salary bands or are trying to figure out how to like manage all of this uh, overall. And then going into the, uh, the future state and then uh, finishing off with like an interest-based call to action, right? Or how I would change this for a VP where I did get some kind of insight. I'd be like, hey, I actually like was speaking to somebody on your team. It sounds like you already have uh, X, Y, and Z figured out about tr pay transparency, but here is something that you should also be thinking about. So that would be the difference between below and above the line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That That's super important. And I love here this um, November pay transparency prep, like that looks 100% like an internal email, right? Like maybe they thought they got that from their HR manager and they're thinking, okay, this is something I need to address. Um, awesome. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing those examples. And I know everybody's <laughs> writing a bunch of things down because this has been um, really, really insightful information. We're going to jump in a moment into sequences and kind of how to put all of these together, right? Because we have some really solid subject lines. We have great emails that we're writing. We have an understanding of what we're sending to who. 
But how do we put this together? How do you feel about a multi-channel approach? Well, just love your general thoughts around creating a sequence. And I know you have a great visual I'm going to pull up in a moment too. Yeah, I think I'm noticing now that especially with a lot of like AI solutions and people using outbound agencies, a lot of sequences are like email only, or there is some kind of like LinkedIn automation there. But going back to the fundamentals, I think multi-channel approaches are super important. And that's why if you're going to do outbound properly, I think it's important that you do have uh, a sequence that has cold calls, uh, LinkedIn and emails at the very least. You could even use like X or, or Twitter sometimes. I know that's like a pretty good space for like uh, professional content these days where I personally learn a lot as well. But the three fundamentals are always uh, cold call, email, and uh, LinkedIn. So, Hi. and there's, there's data that using multi-channel approaches actually gets higher uh, response rates and booking rates. And I've actually noticed this uh, myself in trying different types of sequences. So the other thing to consider is that you're giving the prospect the opportunity to decide what channel they want to respond to you on. Some people don't pick up cold calls on their personal phone. Fully fine. Other people like their email inboxes are like an absolute mess and they actually like to speak on LinkedIn DMs more. You don't know. Everybody's a little bit different. So having these types of sequences that are multi-channel across uh, these three main channels, it gives you the best shot at reaching uh, somebody. So in terms of a sequence structure, this is what I recommend. If you don't want to do this and you just want to do uh, an email sequence, I think that's fine. You can just cut out the calls and, and LinkedIn sequences. They're not going to work as well. But maybe you want to do like an automated sequence to like your tier C accounts and it's just five emails or, or four. I think that's fine. But generally speaking, for my top accounts, this is how I think about it. So what you're seeing here is two different email threads of three emails each. The orange is like the your anchor email. So it's like based off of the email framework that we talked to. And each thread is going to be a separate pain point that you're talking about. So pick your top two pain points. So maybe for me, it's like pay transparency as like the first thread. And then the second thread is going to be for us, it's like automation of compensation reviews, which are usually done in spreadsheets and take like three months to do, where we can do it in like a month or in a significant, uh, significantly less time. So I have two different like problems that I'm solving for to see which one hits. Then you'll have from an email perspective, a bump up email. So the light blue in each thread, step four and 13. And then I usually like to have uh, in light green here, the last email in each thread, the third one uh, is some kind of a value add. So I'm giving them a, like a blog post that's related to that specific topic, or I'm providing them with some kind of like a, a resource or a guide or an industry report where I'm not asking for anything in return. So I typically just to summarize, do like six emails there. And then between there, I would sprinkle cold calls and then a LinkedIn uh, messaging as well that's related to the topic. Um, one thing I notice here is your email replies are automated, but the initial ones are not. So um, is that kind of how you approach all of them? Like you have your main one that's a little bit more relevant and personalized, and then you have like the same sort of bump in value add for each? Yeah. And that's why I, I meant that the 
like the email framework that I use, like it has the PS, for example, where you can do one-to-one personalization. That's why I tend to not want to automate the first emails in each uh, thread because I want to go deeper there into like being able to break through the noise and call something out specifically that they may have mentioned. Yeah. Cool. All right. Thank you so much for that overview. Um, we have a bunch of questions in the Q&A piling up, so I want to jump to those while we still have some time. Um, all right. Let's see. Mike asks, how do you determine reaction and intent to your email? Um, Mike, let us know if I'm off here, but are you like engagement and kind of how people are responding to it when you send it out to them? Or do you mean intent like you know, if they're, yeah, I guess if you can give us clarification in the chat, that would be great. Um, we'll go on to Mason's question for now. Thoughts on utilizing videos and emails? Yeah, I think vi- videos are interesting. I do like them and especially even sending them like over LinkedIn where you're super casual, like you're just recording yourself on your cell phone and you're putting a face to the name and maybe even following the script that you would in like in those anchor emails based off of the email framework. Uh, I do that for like top tier accounts where I know like I really want to book this meeting and I want to break through the noise and go on above and beyond. Generally speaking for tier B and C uh, accounts, I'll likely just use some kind of like an image uh, as opposed to a video because I could probably like just either automate that and still potentially break through the noise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, it they tend to get a similar response rate. Okay. Um, somebody's asking, okay, here for the emails where you picked out the names of team members to prospect, you mentioned that there might be a way to kind of automate that process. Can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah. So the only way I can expand on it is because I use a tool called clay. I definitely recommend everyone check it out. I'm not like sponsored by them or anything. Uh, you can literally have a, it's like a scraper that would go through, you can direct it to all like your key accounts and list. And it'll go on LinkedIn and actually find people by that title. So you can be like, go find me the names of two SDRs and it'll plug in their name into um, like a variable. So that's how I do it. Okay, cool. Thank you. Um, Jim is asking, what about texting? I know this is a tricky area for cold outreach. I just just got in shit because I WhatsApp messaged somebody. He's like, why are you messaging me on my personal number? (laughs) So th- this is this is what I think. There are certain uh, cultures and regions of the world where uh, cold texting is okay. Uh, North America is not one of those yet, from my experience. Uh, I think in Latin America, I've heard that it works well. I think some areas in Europe, it's okay. But I've gotten like slapped on the wrist a few times for trying it in um, the U.S. I think it also probably depends on the persona you're reaching out to a little bit. So. I would say, like, do it at your own risk. Okay. Yeah. Um, we have an anonymous attendee asking, what if there's no info or article of what the company is planning to do with their funding? How do you formulate ascendance around an investment round? So, tip most cases that I've seen, like, if a company announces a funding round, there is almost always going to be some form of announcement from my experience. Otherwise, I think what you can do is you can have some kind of a guesstimate and use like light language. Like, I'm not sure if this is the case, but typically when a company raises a series B, 
it means X, Y, and Z. And then going into like, here's how we help with X, Y, and Z. So I would just like, yes. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like having general industry knowledge. Okay, we got some clarification for Mike. So generally, like what sort of things are you looking for in a response to an email or an engagement or something like that that determines if you should give it more attention or have additional follow-up? Like, is it just a certain number of opens or what else are you tracking there? Yeah, I think that a few things. So opens is definitely one. And I in your like sales loft outreach, Apollo, whatever you use, you can set up a trigger that will create like a high urgency task. For example, if something's open three plus times, I'm noticing that open uh, opens are not always like super accurate necessarily. So like it is a little bit difficult to do that. The other thing is I actually love leveraging smart links uh, from Sales Navigator in my um, outreach. So like I could see when someone clicks uh, on a link and who it is and what pages they're spending their time on in that like resource or uh, slides on a deck. The other thing I'm considering now, I started using... Uh, aligned and i think sydney you guys might use aligned ideal but it's like a deal room where i can have like a bunch of different resources and i could once again like see where people are spending time in that document to assess mm -hmm. whether there's intent super helpful oh, we have a related question tristy i'm sorry if i'm mispronouncing your name asks how do you do special not or do you do special or non-automated follow-ups or bumps for prospects who open multiple times or click on the links or show those intent signals that you found? Like, do you just forgo those automated bump emails and do you replace it with something else? So I always like to say that uh, this is why I create an urgent call task because you, you want to call that person right away. Like that's the first thing you should do. You know, they're in front of their computer. It should be like that moment you're giving them a call. Obviously not everybody um, is going to, to pick up. But yeah, I think if there's higher intent, that's when you should go deeper. And what I like to do sometimes actually, and this is even in sales cycles as uh, you know, as an account executive, or when you're trying to close deals, when you see someone's clicking your smart link, you go back into the account, see if you can find some other interesting insight about that account for a reason for you to reach out now and create like a 30 second loom. And that's like my signature move now. So those that is where you should be spending your time people that are engaging with you so take that time mm -hmm. video find the extra piece of research from like i don't know their jobs page or um just using google or chat gpt whatever it is okay perfect um frank is asking where do you get info on funding any favorite sources i think the best one is um like front space has always been really good for me I also like Clay it's, uh, is a great tool for like researching as well and can give you good insights on funding. I also use Apollo as my uh, sequencing platform and for like data to phone numbers and emails. So decent. But I think the best one is Crunchbase. Okay, perfect. Yeah, and that answers. We have another question about sequencing tools. So if you like Apollo, that's great. Um, okay, let's see. We already asked, talked about um, emails getting flagged. Did we send pictures or attachments? So it sounds like we save those for maybe a little bit later emails and don't do it in too much volume to like save your deliverability when you're sending photos. Um, okay. And then last question here. What are some good websites for gathering memes? <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't, I don't know if there's like specific websites. I guess you can Google like what are the top like relevant memes right now, but it's one of those like pop culture things where you just like naturally, if you're online, you start to see like what memes are, are trending and you just uh, use those. 
So I, I don't have like a specific methodology there or anything. But even for like gathering info, uh, just to answer Frank's other question, like I think LinkedIn is fantastic for that. And even now, if you reach out to companies that are above 500 employees and use Sales Navigator, they have AI that just writes you a summary of like what that company does, what they're focusing on. So I think it's a great place to consolidate that research. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I know I learned a ton. I know everyone in the audience did too. Be sure to be on the lookout for those recordings. Lauren, where can the people find more if they like, wow, this was amazing as it was, where can I learn more about cold emails? Yeah. So uh, I think a few places, LinkedIn is the main place I, I post, uh, maybe not every day, but like three, four times a week. I, I try to like really get tactical and share what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis. Uh, also in the comments, I do have my course on President's Club. So you saw like 15 slides there. I have a course with 120 slides where I have three hours of videos that I go deep into this stuff. And it's pretty much like consolidated all the learnings that I have. So those are like the two best places for uh, getting a deeper dive into what I'm uh, what I'm focusing on and cold emails and, and prospecting in general. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Everyone go check out the course. Go follow Florin on LinkedIn. He has so much great content. And be sure to check us out on sellbetter.xyz if you want to see our upcoming shows. Again, we have another great cold email show coming up tomorrow. We're also all over social media with tons of actionable content. But thank you so much for showing up today. Um, Can't wait to hear how this impacted your cold email game. And I hope you go book some meetings. Thank you, Florin. Have a great week, everybody.